for listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is the Sports Page. I'm Stuart Atkinson. Alongside me, Landon Moore. As always, Landon, how are you doing today? Doing all right for a Monday, Stuart. Great to be back with you once again. Um, you know, this weekend, unfortunately, wasn't the best uh, sports weekend for us Wisconsin sports fans, especially Saturday uh, was a rough day. But uh, thankfully, though, the Packers were able to get a big one last night in Kansas City. So it was great to uh, cap off the weekend on a high note. And uh, looking forward to today's show. Got a lot to talk about, so I uh, can't wait to get started. Yeah, big Packer win last night. We'll get into the Badgers and Bucks as well. So just an overview of what we're going to break down. We're going to start with some Oshkosh sports and talk about that Oshkosh football loss on Saturday. And then we will dive right into that Packer game from last night. Then we will discuss and break down that, I, I wouldn't even say heartbreaking loss to the Buckeyes because the game was um, first half was close, but I mean, it was pretty much a blowout uh, from there. We'll talk about the Bucks, their start to the season one and one and their big uh, lead that they that evaporated and they lost um, on Saturday to the heat. And then we'll end it with a little bit of World Series talk quick and then Landon and Stu's head to head picks as always. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So Landon, Saturday. Oshkosh traveled to lacrosse. They did not come back with a victory. Uh, they were defeated 31-3, to and it really started right off the gates. They were down 28-3 to at halftime, and then there was only three points scored in that second half. Oshkosh's record now 5-2 and overall, 3-1 and in conference. Same record as lacrosse now. Lacrosse also 5-2, and 3-1 in conference. On paper, it kind of seemed like they were equal opponents, um, but lacrosse using that home field advantage to just blow out the Titans. Yeah, uh, certainly a disappointing loss for Oshkosh here, and especially the way it went down, uh, losing by 28 points, and uh, especially, to the way the Titans had played their previous two games, both at home. Um, you know, I was there to call the Eau Claire game uh, last Saturday, uh, not this past Saturday, but the one before that, where they blew out them uh, 31 to three, and they just looked so dominant on both sides of the ball. And then to come into this game against the Cross, uh, like you said, like an equal opponent record-wise, um, but just uh, unable to produce on the field. Um, Kobe Burkhammer, not a bad day through the air. Uh, he did have 95 passing yards, uh, only 13 of 35 though, which is a little disappointing there. Uh, the running game was pretty solid. Chris Hess and Peter McGutton, um, 51 and 49 yards respectively. But uh, one stat that really jumped out to me was their third down efficiency. They were only three of 15 on third down, which, you know, that's only 20%. And that's not going to win you many games if you're not converting on third down. So, you know, for the Titans, you just got to, you know, get back to the drawing board, you know, hopefully get the offense going again. Uh, but it won't be easy. They have another big test uh, this Saturday against UW Platteville, another road game. And uh, the Pioneers with a 6-1 uh, and one overall record, 3-1 and one in conference. So it will not be easy. But if the Titans can win that game somehow, uh, that'll be huge for their uh, confidence as they'll have their last two regular season games at home. Yeah, the big stat that stood out to me was lacrosse doubled Oshkosh in first downs. Lacrosse 22 first downs, uh, the Titans only 11. So time of possession favoring lacrosse. Um, the Titan offense just not able to do anything as the score shows, unable to get in the end zone at all. But like you said, big game coming up 
on Saturday. We have to remember it's only one game, just like any sport. You know, it's one game. They're still right in the thick of it. Like you said, big game Saturday against Platteville. They can come away with a win there. I wouldn't say they're right back in it because they're not out of it. Um, But that's the great thing about football is you get to play another game. It's not like baseball the next day, but, you know, the season's not over after one game. Other Oshkosh sports, the women's tennis had their championship weekend. The Nielsen Tennis Stadium in Madison. Results, WIC champion is UW-Whitewater. They scored 54 points as a team. Oshkosh uh, finishing fourth out of the seven teams in conference with 38 points. So not quite the finish the Titans were looking to have, but still finishing in the middle of the pack pack there with 38 points. And the dual meet standings, Oshkosh fourth as well with four points in the tournament just this weekend, not overall. So finishing fourth this weekend and overall um, on the season. So shout out to the uh, Lady Titans there on the courts as they finish fourth in conference. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into that Packer win last night at Kansas City. You're listening to the sports page here on 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. Welcome back to the sports page here on 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. Like we promised, we're going to dive right into that Packer victory last night against the Chiefs. No Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. So a little bit of an edge there for the Packers not having to face off against the uh, NFL MVP from last year. But nonetheless, a close and exciting Sunday night football game last night, Landon, against the Chiefs. Packers winning 31-24. to Aaron Rodgers. 23 of 33, 305 yards, three touchdowns, and again, no turnovers. And then Aaron Jones, 13 carries for 67 yards. But that wasn't really the story for Jones. It was what Jones did uh, through the air, catching the ball. Seven catches for 159 yards and two touchdowns. What were your uh, initial thoughts from that game last night? Yeah, great win. Uh, going into Kansas City, obviously not an easy place to play. The Packers uh, haven't had much success there uh, in recent years, but uh, great to see uh, Aaron Jones being involved not only in the running game, but in the passing game, like you said. That's one thing that definitely stood out to me was just how the Packers and specifically Lafleur drawing up uh, plays, uh, using him in the passing game, and Rodgers going to him when he's open. Uh, we saw it time and time again. Um you know, really, it was from the beginning, the first uh, touchdown to him, even though it's kind of funny that they called it a pass, you know, just a little shovel uh, as Jones had a uh, blockers. But nonetheless, uh, it was good to see him get in there. And then uh, even in that uh, play where he ran a sluggo, I think is what they call it, where uh, he goes out to the outside and Rogers throws a beautiful pass down the sideline. Unfortunately, he doesn't stay in bounds. That could have been another touchdown for the Packers at that point. But nonetheless, they were able to capitalize on that drive. Um, and then uh, the really big play there at the end um, when uh, Rodgers found him on the side there, and it was ultimately the go-ahead touchdown. Just great to uh, see him uh, capitalize on that play and then just the speed of Aaron Jones to outrun the defense there. And then obviously that third down and five as well to seal the game. 
but it's great to see them having this efficiency on offense. And like we were talking about, not having Devontae Adams in there and really Aaron Jones has stepped up big time and just being able to, you know, capitalize uh, with between him and, and Aaron, uh, you know, just moving the ball down the field and just being able to have success in the passing game when your number one receiver is not there. So it's great to see them doing that. And uh, defensively, uh, you know, it was a tough task because, you know, the Chiefs obviously are known for so many, you know, uh, looks and Tyree Kill and his explosiveness. So it was tough, uh, you know, to try and uh, contain him and some of those other guys. But uh, they stepped up when they had to. Um, you know, there was a big fumble there in the third quarter. LaShawn McCoy, uh, really a big turning point in the game. So, um, you know, it was it was an average night for the defense, but they stepped up when they had to. So overall, a good win. And going back to that little shovel pass to Jones, like you said. Uh, Collinsworth, uh, Chris Collinsworth, said it on the air last night. He said, the last couple of years that play has kind of been common now in most offenses. And he said it's a nice little compromise because when you get in the red zone, the quarterback always wants to throw it, and the running backs always want to run it so they can get some touches. Now when they do this, now it goes down as a touchdown pass for Rodgers, but then Jones uh, gets a touchdown as well as it's pretty much like a jet sweep or a run. So kind of obviously they don't they're not thinking about stats during the game and they're trying to win, but nice little compromise uh touchdown for Rodgers and for Jones. And since Devonte Adams has gone down with that turf toe, Aaron Jones leads the Packers since that uh Eagles game, he leads the Packers in receiving yards, uh catches, targets and receiving touchdowns. So he leads them in every single uh, receiving category as a running back. So it's nice to see uh, Jones stepping up. And I think Adams going out may be a blessing in disguise because now the Packers can kind of, they know what they can do now with Jones in the passing game. So now when you have Adams come back, you have Adams, you have MVS, who uh, didn't have a huge night last night, but we've seen what he can do. Uh, Geronimo Allison, you still got there. Uh, Jimmy Graham's had a couple nice games over the last uh, few games as well. And now you have uh, Aaron Jones in the passing game as well. So when Adams comes back, which it sounds like there's a chance he's going to be back uh, for the next uh, game against the Chargers on Sunday. Uh, the, the offense, like we said, we said at the very beginning, I don't want to take credit for it because a lot of people were saying it, but we we said that this offense is only going to get better. Well, week by week, you know, early on the defense looked great and the offense looked a little sluggish. And now it's the defense doesn't look bad, but they're kind of more average now. Um, they're more of a bend, don't break. They haven't created as many tur- turnovers the last few games, but they did get that fumble, like you said, from McCoy. Uh, but the offense each week just saw uh, Rodgers with that perfect passer rating against the Raiders. Last night, another 300-yard, three-touchdown, no-turnover game. You see Aaron Jones explode. They're able to run the ball. I mean, that offense that offense is looking like the offense from 2010 when they had Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Jermichael Finley, and James Starks, and Brandon Jackson in the backfield. This offense is looking like that offense again, and uh, it's nice to see. Yeah, it, it really is, and... Um, as much as we want to credit, you know, Aaron Rodgers for being Aaron Rodgers, uh, Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of credit for what he's been doing uh, in his first year as the head coach, just designing plays that have utilized the Packers offensive weapons and specifically Aaron Jones in the passing game. And like we saw last night, that was the key to their win is, uh, you know, just those big plays to 
to Aaron Jones and um, being able to uh, create space uh, between the defense, getting open, Rodgers finding him when he needed to, and uh, stepping up and making big plays because there was, you know, on both of the touchdowns, the near touchdown in the first half, and then uh, that third and five to end the game, it was all Aaron Jones there. So uh, great to see. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Devontae Adams comes back. You know, will Rodgers want to go to him more naturally or if they'll stick with Aaron Jones? But certainly that's going to create havoc for defenses because now they're going to have to think about, you know, not only Adams, but also Jones trying to, you know, stop him. So, you know, it's uh, it's great to see, you know, all this coming together for the Packers at specifically the right time too, midseason, uh, really playing their best football so far. I want to move to the other side of the ball now. We slightly touched on it. Do you have any concerns about the defense? Um, they gave up 24 points to the Chiefs uh, with Matt Moore as quarterback who was coaching high school last year and came out of retirement. 24 points to the Raiders at home. Raiders offense is actually not as bad as the Raiders themselves aren't a great team and organization and their defense is really bad, but they do have three wins in their offense. Uh, do they, uh, they do have Jacobs, the rookie running back, and uh, David Carr is having a, um, a stellar year. Uh, but giving up 24 points at home to the Raiders, 24 points to the Chiefs with Matt Moore at quarterback, and then 22 um, at home to the Lions, and then 24 to the Cowboys. Um, is there any concern there at, at all? I think if the Packers defense, give, if they average giving up about 20 to 24 points a game, I think if you're a Packer fan, you, you'll take that, especially compared to how that defense has been the last 10 years. But there is a little concern I have just from they gave up the 34 to the Eagles, and then a lot of those points on that Cowboys game were kind of garbage time points late. Uh, but the Raiders, they went, um, I think they came closer. They might have went over 500 yards on offense. Um, and they had those two turnovers in the red zone. Otherwise, they would have had even more than 24 points. So any concerns with the Packers defense uh, heading into the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, I would say there's some concern, although obviously a defense is never going to be perfect. Um, there's always going to be things to improve on. And with this Packers defense, it seems like the biggest thing that I've noticed a couple things. Number one is they tend to give up some pretty decent chunk plays, especially over the middle of the field. And we saw that last night with uh, Tyree Kill consistently getting open when the Packers seem to be playing quite a bit of zone. And then also Sammy Watkins, too, uh, had success getting open in the middle of the field and Matt Moore consistently finding him for big plays. Uh, the touchdown to Travis Kelsey in the first half, um, I'm, I'm not going to blame the defense on that one. I think that was just a great play design um, and a great throw, too, by Matt Moore and, and Travis Kelsey getting open. But I would say for the most part, this defense, despite giving up you know, 24 points. I think they, you know, the Chiefs Chiefs offense, even without Patrick Mahomes, is, is stellar. Um, you know, they've got playmakers on, on that side of the ball. So I think to hold that team to 24 points was pretty good. Um, but, um, yeah, going forward, just, just not allowing those big chunk plays. And also, too, missed tackles were another thing I saw last night. It was kind of a little discouraging, uh, especially out in the open field. You know, guys, you know, diving and missing. But, uh, you know... I think this will be this uh, upcoming game against San or not San Diego, Los Angeles will be a, a great chance to rebound. You know, the Chargers offense hasn't looked good all year so far. And if they can put together uh, the Packers defense, that is put together a great uh, just overall productive day where they're not allowing uh, that offense to get going. Uh, I think th that'll really boost their, their confidence, you know, going through the rest of the season. But Overall, you know, not bad. You know, 24 points, you know, you, you want to see that number go down, but it's not the worst thing either.
So transitioning in into their next game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Packers, they're scoring uh, 27 points a game right now, uh, which is seventh in the NFL. So they're top 10 in the NFL in scoring, and that's with uh, only scoring 10 points in the uh, season opener against the Bears and kind of coming out of the gates slow on the offensive end. And their defense, as much as... They've given up a lot of yards and points lately. They're giving up 20 and a half points a game, which is 11th in the NFL. So they're, you know, they're one team away from being a top 10 defense in the NFL scoring wise. So I like what I see from the defense. Um, It's just the big chunk plays scare me a little bit. And they were not able to get as much pressure as I thought they would be able to on Matt Moore last night. You have both the Smith brothers and the Chiefs were uh, missing a couple of their starting offensive linemen, and their offensive line isn't great to start with. So I thought they were going to be able to put a little more pressure on them. But nonetheless, um, they're 11th in the NFL in points allowed per game. But yards per play, they're giving up six yards per play, which is 23rd in the NFL. That's a little concerning because eventually those huge plays where you give up an 80-yard touchdown or you give up that huge 50-yard play, um, is going to cost you, but that it seemed like last night they were kind of trying to avoid that, and they were willing to give up some first downs because they were really playing. They did not want Tyreek Hill to get behind them, and uh, Hill didn't really have a big game yesterday at all. So I, I mean, their strategy seemed to work, um, but again, one they're one spot away from a top ten defense. I mean, they're they're pretty. I mean, they're a top eleven defense right now, points per game. Uh, but the Chargers, they are underperforming this year so far. They're scoring 19.5 points a game, which is 23rd in the league. But their defense has given up 19.5, which is 10th. So Packers and Chargers, they're 11-10 and 10 defensively. And then you give the edge to the Packers on the offensive side. But Vegas only has the Packers favored by three in this game. Uh, the Chargers are loaded with talent. You, They have a top-10 defense. Uh, last year, they won double-digit wins. Uh, Melvin Gordon's back. Uh, they just have not performed well. They had that embarrassing loss to the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. Melvin Gordon looks a little rusty after his holdout. Phillip Rivers finally looks like age is starting to catch up to him. And Rivers, he's always been known for, he's really good at reading defense and checkdowns. And But the games I've watched, it seems like he is just checking down to his running backs and tight ends right away, and he can't move that ball down the field. He can't push the ball down the field with that uh, uh, through the air. So I like the matchup um, against the Chargers. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think you made some good points there. And, yeah, the Chargers, I think you can easily say, have underperformed this year, especially after what they were able to do last year. Uh, going uh, back to yesterday, their game against Chicago, a game I watched uh, quite a bit, uh, that was a and that was an ugly game to watch and really you know the Chargers very sh- easily should have lost that game. The Bears had so many opportunities to score touchdowns when they settled for field goals and uh, they were a- were uh, unable to capitalize in the red zone. So I think if you're the Packers, especially after a big one like they had last night, uh, you should feel really good about going into Los Angeles this week and uh, taking care of business against a-, a Chargers team that again, like I said, has underperformed this year. And, uh, you know, even though this will be a road game, technically, I mean, 
let's face it, that stadium's going to be 80% green and gold. I mean, we saw it against the Steelers where that was, that place was packed with, with Steeler fans, and it's going to be uh, no different this Sunday with, I'm sure, a lot of Packer fans uh, invading that stadium. So uh, that, that'll be big, you know, just having that uh, crowd factor possibly for uh, Los Angeles having to use uh, you know, different, uh, you know, snap counts trying to deal with the crowd noise. But uh, I think if you're the Packers, you definitely have to feel confident about uh, going into that stadium and, and coming out with a win. I think most people would agree that the Steelers and the Packers uh, fan bases travel the best to away games and the lack of Charger fans in L.A. Uh, I think you nail it on the head. I think that's going to be more of a neutral slash home game for the Packers. Um, so a nice advantage for the Packers. There. So real quick, before we go to break um, and come back talking about the Badgers, which win from this weekend surprised you the most, Landon? Uh, so the game I've selected, it really wasn't mo- as much of a surprise, but I thought it'd be a little closer, and that was the uh, Philadelphia-Buffalo game. Um, just the, the fact that the Eagles had come off of a terrible loss to the Cowboys the, the week Eagles before. The Eagles are so inconsistent. They are. Aren't they? They really are. And I'm with you on that. And the fact that they went into Buffalo against a pretty solid Bills team. I mean, that team... Uh, they know, only had one loss. They are, yeah. And, and it was to New England. Exactly. I mean, they, they have been playing really well so far. And to come in there and score 31 points against that defense and to hold that team to only 13 points... You know, Philly's defense historically has not been that great. So uh, that was definitely a, a surprise. And, uh, you know, for Eagle fans, <laughs> you know, you know, one week it's, oh, you know, uh, it's, it's absolutely terrible. And then this week they, they come out and look really good. And you just don't know what that team are. They, like you said, they are very inconsistent. So, uh, but yeah, I was, I was a little surprised that they won by the margin that they did. I thought it was going to be closer, but uh, yeah, give credit to Philly. They did what they needed to do. Coming up next, we're going to break down that Badger beatdown from the Buckeyes, uh, sadly, this weekend. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the sports page here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Welcome back to the sports page here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Landon, it was great to talk about that big win last night, but now we have to dive into that Badger loss Saturday against the Ohio State Buckeyes. UW losing 38-7 to on Saturday. The big noon kickoff on Fox, 11 o'clock. First half, they kept it uh, close, and then the second half, the doors blew open. Badgers could not move the ball at all. I had... Said it for multiple weeks. I was a little concerned how Cohen was going to be able to perform against a stellar defense. Well, 10 of 17, 108 yards, one touchdown. Uh, no interceptions, but 100. Now, rain was a factor. I want to throw that in. Rain was a factor. Um, Justin Fields didn't move the ball much in the first half either, but he really kicked it up in the second half. But Cohen, only 108 yards, one touchdown. But the big thing was Ohio State forced the Badgers to try and make some throws, and they took away that Badger running uh, rushing attack. Jonathan Taylor, Heisman hopeful, 20 carries, 52 yards, no touchdowns. Um, Landon, uh, anything positive to take away uh, from Saturday? It's it's tough to, to think of anything. I mean, 
to be to be real here, Ohio State is on a whole another level. I mean, I've been saying for a long time that they're the best team in the country, and I think people are starting to realize that they're for real. LSU moved up to number one in the AP poll, but Ohio State did they move up to two? Uh, I think they're still uh, at three. They're still at yeah. three. So Alabama's at two. Um, but I I think Ohio State is the best team in the country um, until they prove me otherwise. As much as I dislike. The Buckeyes, just being unbiased, my eye test tells me they're the best team. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, just looking at the way they're beating opponents, and these aren't close wins. They're just absolutely blowing people out. And, you know, the Badgers, unfortunately, were a victim this past Saturday. But I tell you what, after watching that team, I mean, there there really is no weakness. And they, I, I know Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the broadcast were trying to think of, like, a weakness for this team. And, the only one they could come up with was possibly the backup quarterback position. I mean, otherwise, they are from top to bottom as about as, as complete of a team as you can have. And, uh, I mean, if they continue to play like this, they're going to go undefeated. They're going to win the Big Ten Championship, and they will for sure secure a spot in the college football playoff. But, you know, it just it, it stinks that, you know, us Badger fans were just hoping that we could go in there and, you know, try to come out with a win. And to show that we are indeed in that same tier in that same class as Ohio State, but you know, you know, again, this year it's it's not the case. Ohio State is far too superior. That defense is unbelievable. Boy, Chase Young, that guy is incredible. And you know, they were saying how he could possibly insert himself into the Heisman race, and you can make a very good argument that he he can. Uh, I mean, uh, let me see what his stats are. I, I was reading here. Yeah, six total tackles. He had four sacks and two forced fumbles. I mean, a monster day for him. So, and, you know, poor Jack Cohen just had no time to throw it. I mean, every time that he stepped back to pass, it seemed like there was always guys in his face, and Chase Young was one of them. Uh, just a stellar performance by him. You know, offensively, uh, obviously, you know, it was tough with the Badgers just trying to get something put together here. You know, unfortunately, Taylor just could not break off any runs. He was consistently getting tackled at the line. And, you know, whenever the Badgers tried to throw again, Cohen always had pressure in his face or guys were covered. So he had to take a sack or throw it away. So, you know, it, it's it was it was certainly tough to watch. I mean, not what we want to see at all. And uh, if you're the Badgers here, you know, just use this bye week to Try to make as many corrections as you can. And, uh, you know, the season obviously isn't over, even though the playoff hopes might be over. You know, they're still in the Big Ten West race. You know, hopefully they can get back to winning ways and have Minnesota and those other teams lose ahead of them and possibly try to get into the Big Ten championship and maybe play Ohio State again. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty clear Ohio State is the real deal. There's no question about it. Badgers catching 14 and a half points come into that game. I, I took the Badgers 14 and a half. I thought it was an overreaction to the Illinois loss. I thought Ohio State was a better team, obviously, because I've been saying they're the best team in the country for a while. But the the way the Badgers play, they were leading the nation in time of possession. I thought they would the game would be close, and then the Buckeyes would win by about 10 points or so. And it was looking like that in the first half, but the Buckeyes, they, I mean, they just they asserted their dominance in that second half, and J.K. Dobbins... Dobbins, 163 yards on the ground, a couple touchdowns. And this is the Ohio State defense. We saw how good they were Saturday. They are ranked second in almost every statistical category. You know who was first? The Badgers. The Badgers were first in every like statistical category. Rushing yards allowed, passing yards allowed, 
uh, total yards allowed, touchdowns allowed, points allowed, and in, I wouldn't say pouring rain, but rain throughout most of the game, bad weather, Ohio State scored 38 points on the number one defense, and Ohio State number two defense, Badger scored seven. Um, well, they were lucky to score seven because that was off of the block punt, and Jack Cohn made that ridiculous throw that, to AJ I don't, Taylor. I still don't even know who he was throwing that to. Yeah, there were two guys yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. So luckily, they were able to get some points, but yeah, I mean, literally, if that hadn't happened, they probably would have been shut out. Yeah, so I'm, I can't argue with that. As much as it pains me to say, just the eye test, this Ohio State team, they're for real. I'm. I mean, if I had to pick right now, I would pick them to win the whole thing. Now, LSU has looked phenomenal this year. They always have that great defense. Um, and now they have uh, Burrow. They finally have a quarterback. Um, he's actually the leading uh, Heisman candidate right now um, after the uh, Tua went down for Bama. But Ohio State, on a neutral field, I think they would be favored against every single team. I, I'm... Now, if they face Alabama, maybe Alabama's favored by two points or so, maybe. But I don't know. Neutral field. Let's take away, you know, the crazy college fans. You go to college football playoff, neutral field. I'll take Ohio State against anybody right now, as much as it pains me to say. I mean, that defense, I mean, like you were, like uh, we were talking about, Chase Young, he's got 13 sacks already this year. I mean, he's going to end up with over 20 sacks. I mean... There's still half the season to play, and a, and a, if they make the playoffs, you know potentially two bowl games for them instead of one. Uh, he's going to go well over 20 sacks, and this guy he's going to be a top five pick in the NFL, I think. So top to bottom, uh, they look phenomenal. So let's get off of the talking so great about Ohio State train because it's starting to make me sick. So let's transition into a little World Series talk. Real quick before we get into our picks. Now this World Series has been. Oh, excuse me. Let's do Bucks. Let's let's go uh, go into the Bucks here. Bucks one and one on the year. Thursday night primetime TNT against Houston Rockets. They're down by sixteen at halftime. Come back and have that phenomenal win. And then Saturday, they're up by, what was it, 21 points, 22 points? Yeah, 21, I think. 21 points against the Heat at home, and they blow it, and then they come back and force an overtime, and then they lose an overtime. So up and down, uh, two games already for the Bucks, Landon. Yeah, um, well, start off with that game in Houston. Uh, great win for them, you know, being down, like uh, you said, 16 at halftime and being able to come back against uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Uh, great showing there. Um, and then, you know, the game Saturday, you know, they, they know it. They they blew the lead. They should have won the game. Um, you know, they let the Heat slowly get back into the game when they really should have been putting them away. You know, they kind of took their foot off the, the gas a little bit and, you know, like I said, let the Heat back in it. But, uh, you know, I think they'll learn from this loss. And, you know, even though it's only the second game, um, obviously not a time to freak out at all. You know, even though this team has, you know, high expectations, probably the highest expectations they've ever had, you know, who knows, you know, the last time they were really, you know, zoned in on, you know, really doing well. But, uh, uh, you know, it's 
coming up tonight here, definitely a beatable opponent in Cleveland. Um, I think this will be a great opportunity to kind of vent their frustrations after what happened against the Heat. Uh, just come out from start to finish, put together a really complete game. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just blow them out right away and just, you know, not really give the Heat any or Cavs any chance to uh, come back. So, uh, but still, I, I'm impressed with what they've done so far, especially guys. Uh, coming off the bench, uh, Kyle Korver has looked great so far. I've really been impressed with uh, just how he's been inserted into the offense, and uh, his three-point shooting has been uh, phenomenal. Robin Lopez has looked good so far, um, you know, just kind of picking off where he left off uh, with Chicago. And Wesley Matthews uh, really looking good in the starting role, uh, replacing Malcolm Brogdon. So, um, you know, despite the loss Saturday night, they still – Obviously, a very good team, and uh, will be a good team, you know, this season. So, yeah, I'm not going to take much away from that Heat loss, other than it was disappointing, um, and they blew they blew that game that was theirs to win, obviously up by 20 some points. But I'm not going to take anything away from that. That's not going to change my judgment on how far I think this team can go, how good I think this team is, and like you said, just from the eye test, I think. Now, I don't want to use the it's a long season excuse because it's the second game of the year, but it is a long season, and when you're playing teams that you are far, you are so much more superior than they are, and you get to such a huge lead, it is mentally hard to kind of just keep your foot on the gas. Um, you, you see it all the time in the NBA. Teams get, the Warriors used to do it all the time in their dynasty. They would get up by 20. They would kind of rest their starters. They would start jacking up longer threes than normal. And then all of a sudden, the, the game's tied, and they would have to f- claw back to win. And they would win a lot of them, and then sometimes they would end up blowing them. And that's how um, you would see the Suns beat the Bucks or the Suns beat the Warriors in the regular season sometimes. That's not going to happen in the playoffs. Um, I know it's only second game of the season, so, I mean, they're not mentally worn down or anything. But when you're playing a team like that, everything's clicking on all cylinders. Everyone's coming off the bench. Corver's knocking down threes. And then, you know, your shots don't fall for five minutes and you just kind of relax a little bit. You have, I mean, even though the Bucks are far better than the Heat, they're a professional basketball team, man. Any team can be any team on any given day. And you relax for 10 minutes, and just like that, you can lose to the Heat. And that's exactly what they did. But transitioning from... That huge loss. I want to talk a little bit about Tyler, uh, Tyler Hero real quick. Milwaukee native, committed to the Badgers, then decommitted, went to Kentucky. Some booze um, at the Verve's, um, or not the Verve, uh, Pfizer Forum, but mostly cheers um, for him. And I will fully admit, when he first decommitted from the Badgers, I was upset. I'm, I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't. But... I was upset for the first, you know, couple weeks, month. Obviously, you want to see a kid with that much talent come to your favorite team. But I think you really have to take a step back and just realize that he wanted to do what was best for him. He wanted to make it to the NBA. He went to Kentucky. That's what Coach uh, Calipari does. He prepares you for the NBA. He was a lottery pick in the NBA, and he got to play back in his hometown of Milwaukee in his uh, second or third career NBA game. So just a nice moment uh, for Tyler Hero and uh, really proud of proud to see him um, succeeding already as much as it stings to see him uh, wear that Kentucky blue instead of the Badger red. Um, just wanted to give a shout out to him. 
Yeah, you know, like you said, it would have been nice if he was wearing Badger Red instead of Kentucky Blue. But, you know, it's great to see, you know, a local guy like him uh, get to the NBA and, uh, you know, really probably be a focal point for that Heat team this season. And, you know, we all know of uh, how great he was at Kentucky, uh, just an outstanding player. And, uh, you know, he, the upside is certainly bright for him. You know, he'll, he'll probably have a great season if he stays healthy and really contribute to that Heat team. So it's kind of good to see him, you know, being in that position and, you know, wish him the best of luck for sure. Only a couple games in, but I, you know, it may be due to Jimmy Butler being out the first two games, but he's started both games already, scored double digits both times. Charles Barkley, I don't know if you saw, he picked Tyler Hero to win the rookie of the year this year. Um, I watched him a lot in summer league and the preseason. His stroke is pretty. I mean, it hurts to watch sometimes because I just think, man, how good would that have looked in that Badger red and how good would the Badgers have been last year with Tyler hero, but I'm rooting for him. I was, um, I'm not going to lie. I was upset and I did not like him for a little while at Kentucky, but I got over my childish, uh, childish ways and you know, I'm happy for him and I, and I hope he does well. Um, it would have been nice to see him play for the Badgers, but it is what it is. But that we are going to take a break and then we're going to come back we're going to wrap up the show with some World Series talk. What a wild World Series it's been so far. And then, as always, Landon versus Stu's head-to-head picks. Um, no surprise here. I am in the lead still. But let's see if Landon can gain some ground on Big Stu. Let's hope Don't, so. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope not. You're listening to the sports page here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Welcome back to the sports page here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Stuart Atkinson, back from a little brief vacation last Monday, letting Adam Van Handel get a crack at running the board and hosting the show, and I'm back with my partner in crime, Landon. So, Landon, World Series this year. It's been uh, one to remember. No home team has won a game yet in this series. Astros, huge favorites, uh, biggest World Series favorites um, at the start of the series in over, I think, 15 years or so. It's, um, it's yeah, been- I want to say it was the 07 World Series, Red Sox and Rockies was the last time a team was favored by as much as the Astros are now. Yeah, yeah. so you know, over a decade, um, and then the Nationals, they come out punching, and they win games one and two on the road against Verlander and Garrett Cole. And all of a sudden, it's like, what the heck's going on? And now the Nationals, they're up 2 nothing. They get three straight games at home. And they got all their, you know, their big dogs going on the mound. And then all of a sudden, the Astros win three straight games. They give up one run each game. Scherzer gets scratched late and doesn't pitch um, in game five. Garrett Cole pitches phenomenal. Zach Greinke, biggest Biggest game of the year for the Astros was game three when they're down two nothing. You can't go down three nothing. I mean, obviously, you're not, you know, out of it officially, but it's only happened once, the you know, two thousand four Red Sox, and that was in the ALCS. But you don't want to go down three nothing, especially when when you had two more games after that on the road. And then to win three straight on the road, and now you're coming back home, and now you have Verlander game six, and if you need to go to game seven, you got Granky on the mound. And I'm sure Cole's able to pitch out of the pen game seven if absolutely necessary. Um, 
what are your thoughts, Landon? I'm sure they're crazy because this is this is one World Series. Um, it's one of the craziest ones I've ever seen. It really is. Yeah, to think that you know, no t- home team has uh, won a single game. It's been the road team that's won uh, all five games so far. It's it's stunning. I mean, so much for home field advantage. You know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the Nationals going into Houston games one and two and, uh, you know, really dominating and uh, getting to Cole and, and uh, Verlander in those first two games, uh, you know, really stunning. And at that point, you're like, well, you know, this series could possibly be over with the series going to D.C. and the Nationals all have to do is win two more games. And uh, the Astros, credit to them, they come back clawing and are able to uh, get to that Nationals uh, pitching staff and, you know, rattle off three straight wins, and now they're just one win away from the World Series. But <laughs> the way this series has gone, the way the road team has looked, I mean, you could easily say, well, the Nationals now have the advantage if they win these next two games. But, uh, you know, tomorrow night, game six is going to be unbelievable. Uh, you know, again, like you said, with Justin Verlander going and uh, just what, you know, he's done in the postseason. And um, obviously for the Nationals, a tough break last night, having Max Scherzer scratched from his start, and that really affected them. Um, but just a crazy series. And uh, I do want to talk about briefly about uh, a really controversial point in last night's game. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch it, but just reading uh, about articles uh, from it, there was a key moment where there was a clear missed strike call. There was a ball high, and the ump called it a strike. Uh, I believe the Nationals had guys on base and were looking to possibly bring the tying run uh, to the plate. But uh, instead, it ended the inning, and now there's all sorts of talk about, well, now we need to go to an automatic strike zone and you know, no more you know, uh, umps calling balls and strikes. And um, you know, it's a really interesting point because that was a huge moment in the game and possibly a series-defining moment. And uh, if the Nationals go on to lose this series, there's going to be some pretty angry folks uh, possibly, you know, complaining about that call and how the Nationals got robbed. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting. And there are a lot of, you know, uh, MLB players now advocating for an electronic strike zone. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if uh, Major League Baseball this offseason kind of discusses that and uh, really brings it to the, uh, the spotlight of uh, possibly going into that transition now that, you know, we're in a day of age where you can see after the pitch is thrown if it's a ball or a strike, and you know you don't really need those those home plate umpires to call those anymore. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, I would be for you know that electronic strike zone only because you want to be sure that the call is right, and that's all that matters. That's why we have replay. That's why you know we're able to challenge things. So, um, but anyway, a great series so far. Can't wait for Game Six tomorrow night, and. Uh, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, yeah, the robotic strike zone—that's interesting topic. We don't have a lot of time to get into it, but when they first were talking about it, I was kind of wavering in the middle, down the middle. But I'm definitely for. I want I want to see. I mean, if we have the technology, you know, why not use it? Um, I think I don't think it's a matter of if they're going to. I just think it's a matter of when. Is it going to be? I don't think it's going to be next year. But is it going to be next year, or is it going to be five years, or is it going to be ten years? Um, I think I think it's going to happen regardless, and I think it's going to happen uh, within ten years, um, probably sooner than ten years. But I think within ten years, you are going to see automatic strike zones. You know, some people aren't going to like it. Um, but, you know, 50 years from now, it, it might just be the norm and people are going to forget that it was even a topic. Um, but from that, we are going to move on to Landon and Stu's head-to-head picks. 
overall record for Landon, three and six, one and two. Uh, two weeks ago, last week, we took the week off with the guest host. And my record, six and two overall, three and oh, two weeks ago. So with that, we're going to go to my pick first as I will have you give your pick first. But I pick the game. Jazz on the road against the Suns tonight in Phoenix. Jazz minus five. Who do you like tonight, Landon? All right. Well, even though the Suns have looked really good so far, I am going to take Utah in this matchup. Uh, Just too much talent offensively with Mitchell, Mike Conley, uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, I I mean, even though Suns, like I said, have done great so far, uh, I like the Jazz to uh, take this one. I got to agree with you there. I like the Jazz minus five. I think they're a top three seed in the West this year. Um, They're loaded. Uh, Mike Conley Jr., Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, also um, Bogdanovich. Um, They got shooters everywhere. The Suns, like you said, they've kind of been surprising, especially uh, Aiton only got to play the one game, and then he's uh, been suspended. Um, They only have one loss this year. It was in double overtime to the – or, excuse me, just uh, overtime to the Nuggets. Uh, Suns have looked good so far this year. But I'm gonna I'm gonna back the Jazz minus five. Then we're gonna move on to your pick, uh, Vikings and Chiefs. Chiefs favored by two and a half. I'm taking the Vikings here as much as it pains me. I'm gonna take the Vikings plus two and a half. I think they win outright. I think the Vikings are one of the best teams in the NFC, talent wise and roster wise. It's just a matter of can Kirk Cousins win a big game. Um, he looks great when there's not a lot of, uh, a lot of eyes on him. But big games, he tends to shrink. So that's what scares me a little bit. But just roster size, or you know, sizing up the rosters, uh, Vikings are the better team here without Patrick Mahomes. But if Mahomes plays, that factors into it. But regardless, I'll take the Vikings. All right. Well, I'm going to take Kansas City. I think they're going to get a huge bounce back win. The Vikings uh, have not really looked great on the road this year. They're more of a home team. Uh, plus, if the Chiefs get Patrick Mahomes back, that is going to be huge for them. Uh, I like their talent on offense, so I will take Kansas City in this one. All right, Monday Night Football, we always pick it. Dolphins versus Steelers, Dolphins plus 14. I'm going to take the Dolphins plus 14. Call me crazy, uh, but you give me the Dolphins plus, uh, plus two touchdowns against uh, Mason Rudolph, back off, uh, backup quarterback. I'll take the two touchdowns. All right, I'm going to take Pittsburgh here. Um, you know, Dolphins, just not a great team at all. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, they got the home field advantage here. Mason Rudolph uh, coming back from injury. Uh, I like the Steelers. This has been the sports page here on 90.3 WRST, FM Oshkosh.